Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. I think the other thing is also just thinking about gift ideas and categories. It, it always makes me think about the way that we would vacation plan a little bit. So sometimes we would think about vacations as like, I just need to relax. But then there were other times where we said, you know, I kind of need some adventure in my life. And that would dictate or set the tone for how we would want to travel. And I think it's the same thing with gifts. Like sometimes it's a matter of saying, you know what, this person needs a problem solved or what this person really needs is a new idea to be sparked into their life. Or, you know, maybe they just need something that they already know. Welcome to the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. And today we're talking about overspending during the holidays. Yes. Yes. But first, I want to give a huge shout out to Spirit Lifter 67. Like that's the greatest username (laughs) ever. Spirit Lifter 67. They left us a really great review. It says, this is my favorite podcast. I enjoy the various helpful topics. I love the banter between the two of you. Listening to your podcast always leaves me feeling hopeful. Oh, that's one of the best compliments. You have lifted my spirit. Keep hope alive. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate that. Okay. Let's jump into it. This is a really interesting topic. Uh, Obviously, it's timely because by the time this episode is released, it'll be closer towards the end of the year. It is officially holiday season. If you've been to a grocery store or a Target, then you know that the the decorations are out, the candy, the Christmas trees, it is all there. Like as soon as Halloween was done, it was like, all right, it's time to usher in Christmas. I don't even think Halloween was out the door. I, I started to say that, but you know, we and we talk about this every year. It's like it starts earlier. It's like, man, it's fall. Like we haven't like it's fall, but we're already like, you know, full-fledged in Christmas mode. So it's really, really interesting. But there are a number of articles and reports coming out, as it typically are. And I started to notice a couple of themes. And so I just really wanted to kind of comb through that a little bit because I think it speaks to some of the differences that we're starting to see this time around versus previous years. So every year reports start coming out with like predictions around holiday spending. And every year it seems like we just break a new record. People yeah. are spending every more year money. it's like people spent more money this year. Despite what's happening, more somehow we find the money, we find a way to do it, right? But this year has actually been a little bit more mixed. So a couple of articles, some have been suggesting that consumers will cut spending in non-gift areas. So things like travel and entertainment, which, okay, interesting. Yeah, and that's just to make up for the gifts that they want to buy. Correct. It's like, I'm, I'm going to- they're, they're making trade-offs, yeah. right? Which, yeah. listen, generally Normal speaking, adult decision. I'm happy with that decision, right? I'm trying not to sort of lead with my conclusions here, but let me, let me comb through some of the other things. So another one said that people have cut back on holiday-themed purchases. So little things like decor and, you know, all the things that- Add value to the holiday experience. Seasonal but items, like, yeah, pumpkin it, spice, a super nice to have thing, right? Peppermint, like we're still going to do the things that we really want to do, but the superficial kind of extra, extra things people are making cut past there. Uh, the other one was just flat out 
plain as day. And it said, older Americans are spending less. Like they're like, look, I'm done. Like I'm not dealing, I'm not dealing with this. This is my 67th Christmas. This is too much. I'm not excited (laughs) about it anymore. We are making a decision as older Americans to say, y'all can have it. The last one was actually from McKinsey, which is one of the leading management company consulting groups in the world. And they basically offered this idea that suggested that because everything has basically been all sale all year, that the holiday season just kind of like bled into everything else. And so it's like going to like start earlier and end later, which I'm like, well, that's then it's not a season, right? Like it's all, it's basically, it's always been holiday season. Right. So what's been interesting to me, right, is as I've been combing through a couple of these, and I'll let you chime in here because I'm sure you have some thoughts, but like a couple of themes, I should say, unifying themes. So the first one is that I think the majority of people are expressing a desire to save money either through some type of modified gift list or by shopping with discounted retailers, but like people are finding a way that works for them to spend less. The second observation, or I should say theme that I've been noticing here is that the ones who do shop are going to do it in a very specific kind of way. So like they're much more like, like I'm going to do it, but it's going to be on Black Friday or on Cyber Monday. Like they're specifically looking for a deal. And so like there's this shared idea, theme, acceptance that we should probably be saving a little bit more. And I'm excited about that. I think, I think this, it, it, it kind of represents like a shifting tide in a way relative to previous years. And I'm like all for celebrating Chris Mahana frugalza <laughs> or uh, Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa cut back Hana. Kwanzaa cut back Hanamus is my, that's it. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've I've actually thought about you while I've, you know, seen this kind of mixed chatter because you've been in your Grinch adjacent vibe for a while. Okay. Like <laughs> That is, that's not true. I mean, you're not, not you're not a, a Grinch, Grinch, like. But I'm not, I'm not. Uh, yeah, Julian actually loves Christmas, but it's for all the non-commercial reasons. And I, I honestly can't think of the last time that you bought gifts. I kind of handle that on our behalf, with the exception of our son. But in general, you know, Julian kind of sees Christmas and the holiday times. We're saying Christmas because we that's what we celebrate. But really, any of these holidays, he sees it as a time to get the family to do different things yeah. and to bond over movies and nature and new experiences. And he's kind of promoted himself as the family cinematographer of it all. And-, <laughs> and, and it'll become videographer as well. But, yeah. but again, like I'm recognizing that our parents are getting older. Everyone's getting older. Right? It's not just our parents, it's our parents, it's our kids. Like, I want to, I want to be able to make sure that we look back at some of the cringy things that your parents say <laughs> and say it wasn't me. No, I'm kidding. But like, yeah. I, I, I just want to make sure that we're documenting this because yeah. you know, you never know. Yeah. So he he loves Christmas for all of the non-commercial reasons. My story is a little different. Like, not only did I experience the storybook kind of Christmas as a child, even as an adult, my early career was shaped by retail. And Black Friday was like my Super Bowl. It was a whole production and the thrill of the deal was a real thing. And even after I quit, my mom and I would still get up at 4 a.m. to stand in line and try to catch these doorbusters. So by the time I met him in, what, your 30s, your early 30s, I still had a lot of those habits, but you really weren't celebrating Christmas the same way that I was or that my family was. Did you ever have the storybook Christmas or is it something that you grew well, out it of? It depends on whose story we're talking about. Yeah. I, I did have a storybook Christmas, but it did not involve waking up at four o'clock and like busting through doors or any of that stuff. Like those were just, those are things that we would see on television. But like, first of all, no one in my family 
or even anyone who ever spent Christmas with us was interested in waking up early <laughs> on Christmas. I remember the first time you guys did that and I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. So I, we would go every now and then if there were just a couple of things that you just absolutely wanted to see but or, or buy, but like it wasn't something that we were like planning towards. I remember you guys were like talking about it the night before, game planning. Well, yeah. I mean, it was in my blood because I used to have to work it. I used to, so I was used to being up early anyway and not really enjoying the fullness of a Thanksgiving day. My Thanksgiving would always be cut short because I knew I had to get to bed in order to be at the store by 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And so it was just in me. And that's the way that we organized our Thanksgivings, even when I wasn't employed there. Yeah. So I don't really have, I I mean, I I know what you mean when you say storybook. No. There were no, and you got again. You got to think about this. And actually, I feel like we had this conversation at the dinner table a couple of Christmases ago. But like when you're in New York, and I think this is probably safe to say for a lot of people who grew up in urban environments, the way that you think about Christmas and it is different than the way it's conveyed on television, right? So yeah. there is no chimney. You live in a building, like. You live in an apartment building. So like even those little things. Like Logistically. The, the, the amount of creativity required for you to believe in Santa Claus when you live in an inner city is significantly <laughs> higher than it would be if you lived in a detached single family home in the suburbs. It's like, oh, wow, I, I can wrap my head around that. Whereas you grow up in, you know, Brooklyn, it's like, man, you know, you know. I mean, I get what they're saying. But it's safe to say, first of all, there's too many of us. There's yeah. just no way. Like the, the, the possibility of it, I think, was, was significantly lower. So I never really had those kinds of storybook Christmases, but I did have my fair share of just great meals and good times. And, you know, a couple of times when people did come to visit and it just added a different layer to Christmas. Those are some of the things that I think I did. And I think that's kind of carried over to me as an adult. And that's kind of the spirit that I also want to pass on to our sons. Not to say that, you know, breaking up doors or breaking through doors is a bad thing, but like, you know, I really do want to make sure that he sees a little bit of both. Yeah, he does. We've definitely de-emphasized Santa from when I grew up. Like he's a part of the holiday, but he's not the only person bringing gifts up in this house. Like he knows, Bo knows that, you know, some of these gifts came from loved ones and then maybe a couple came from the Santa guy that you heard about at school. But even as adults, I think we exchanged gifts for the first few years we were together and then we got engaged and move in together and kind of agreed that it would be a better use of our money to combine our gift budgets and get this house gift. And then at first we would also get something small, like we would get the thing that we could enjoy together. And back then it would be like a really expensive bottle of wine or, you know, something that we could enjoy. And then there would be this smaller gift, like a robe or some headphones that would, you know, allow us to still experience the exchange. But then one year we wound up getting each other the same small gift. I think it was a couple of years in a row. And (laughs) that's when you said, okay. We both bought each other one year, some fancy glassware. They're called coupe glasses, which is basically like a wine glass that's cut in half or like, you know, a bowl on a stem. Y'all have seen these. Y'all have seen these. When you go to a fancy bar, the cocktail is like the little short glass called a coupe glass. And so we got each other the same thing. And you're right. We decided to just make the house gift an official tradition. And it's interesting because I actually tweeted about it as I was thinking through the three things that I'm considering for this year. And the tweet did really well, which I was surprised about because it's hard to get any traction on Twitter these days. But the Zeet. The Zeet. The Zeet. I don't know what you call that tweet. On X these days. But yeah, people were really into the 
idea of a house gift and were talking about proposing it to their spouse, which I was happy to see. So I think if I just try to go back in time a little bit and think about what may have led us to that decision, I think there were a couple of things and you alluded to, to, to a couple of them. But the first one was that, you know, we just at the time were very like mindful of paying off our debt and we were looking at our spending. And I think we were going through this process of ranking how we've spent money and, and what really brought us joy. And we started to realize that, that we were spending money on things that did not really bring us a lot of joy. And actually that there was a odd or, or dare I say abstract relationship between the amount of money that we were spending on things relative to the amount of joy that it was actually adding to our lives. And so that part was really, really interesting. We started to say, you know what? These are the things, things like travel that we really, really liked. And even when you started naming some of the gifts that we did decide, it was things that we that would enhance our travel experiences because those are things that we actually like to do relative to, you know, just buying nicer clothes or just deciding to buy a nicer car. Those things were options, but we decided to make different decisions. I think the other part was also just a reflection of us living in a smaller home at the time. We had a smaller footprint. And so when you've got two people, certainly one person moving in and bringing other things, you know, appliances, furniture, things that were not necessarily chosen with this footprint in mind. I think the combination of those things, in addition to the things that I had, made the space feel a little bit smaller. And we started to feel, again, going back to that joy and that abstract kind of measure to be able to say, all right, maybe we should pay a little bit more attention to what we're doing here. But it just kind of made us feel a little bit more boxed in. And so we said, all right, well, that's interesting. Like we should be mindful of bringing in more and more stuff. So I think it was a combination of all of those things that really gave birth to the idea of like what a shared gift could be. But I'd also add that like when you, whenever you share a space with someone, like you're living with someone you're sharing a home with them, you just start to realize that the space itself is a third wheel. Like it's it's a it's a character in the relationship. Right. And so you it's look, the setting. It's the setting, right? And so if you look around and it's like, oh well, you know, this is what I got for Christmas, this is what she got for Christmas. And and then the house is like looking at you like, okay, well, what about me? Right. Like you guys spent all this money and you know, I still don't have, like, I still got this problem that I'm dealing with. And that's the character. Like, that's the thing that sets the tone for the time that we spend together. And so we'd be looking at ourselves like, man, I, I don't really know, man. You know, like, there's this thing that I like and I appreciate it, but like, we spend a lot of time together. And so let's think a little differently about how we want to make the most of that time. And so like, we just started combing through like all of the different ways that we spend money. And I think it really gave us license to say, let's be creative in terms of how we manage our money. And so even when we did do things like shop for deals, you know, when our son was born, I think we also started to realize that like, all right, you know, kind of shifting gears here, that like there are a lot of things that we felt like we were going to need. And it was almost like the opposite. It was like, all right, he's coming in. Let's buy all these things for the house in anticipation of him getting here. And then like a year later, you realize like, I didn't use like most of the stuff that we bought for him. And so you just start to realize as you're kind of going through these annual meetings, quarterly meetings, whatever it is, or multiple holiday seasons, if you've actually taken the time to reflect, to be able to say, all right, like, I think we owe it to ourselves to think a little differently. Yeah. And I think people tend to forget that the basics and necessities 
also benefit from Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. We yeah. tend to focus on the more giftable items that are displayed on end caps or our special holiday edition. But the reality is that HDMI cords, light bulbs, expandable water hoses, yeah. air filters, all that stuff also gets marked down. And so I think that's where that area, that space is where the house gift really shines. Because yeah. if you were psychologically already primed to spend money, and there's the benefit of spending on something that takes away a concern or a task from future you. And it's something that everybody gets to enjoy year round. It's like a triple dip of dopamine and serotonin and all of those happy hormones that come from your brain. Not to mention, you don't have to wrap it. So it saves you time. I mean, and you already talked about how it saves you money. Like there's this idea that bigger ticket items get better deals during this season. And that's what we've learned. Like when we were renovating, we bought kitchen appliances, refrigerators, and stoves because the deals on those were so great. When I was pregnant, we bought Bose Stroller because the deals on that was great. So there's a benefit for higher ticket items during this period that saves you a lot of money, but it also creates memories. I think back to a few of our house gifts, like, you know, grill accessories that allowed you to explore new culinary experiences. It just kind of goes beyond a material thing, or it, it goes into something that is actually useful, maybe even playful and has the capacity to spark a conversation every time you see it or yeah, use it. I think it's, uh, I think it's about spending money that improves your quality of life at home, you know, and I think that's really where the shared gift comes from. But there, there are a couple of things that I think you you gain just by thinking about it this way, right? Especially as we're kind of jumping into the holiday season and we know that so much of it leads people to jump into autopilot. And so there are a couple of things that, that come to mind. I think, first of all, just like stopping and thinking about the process in which you typically spend gifts or the amount of money that you spend, I think what it does off the top is just taking a second to think about it and to practice what you were saying earlier, which is like this art of compromise and negotiating and just taking a moment to breathe and thinking about like, all right, like if I'm going to spend X amount of dollars, whether it's hundreds, thousands, it doesn't matter. But is there something else that I could do? And as I think about, you know, trying to anticipate how much value, whatever word you want to value, joy, quality of life, whatever it is, like, is there something else that I or we could spend that money on that I think would give us a better, for lack of a better word, return on investment? I think the other thing is that it puts you in a position where you really have an opportunity to listen to your partner's preferences and their needs and then find a balance between what you want and what they want, right? So you might get the thing that just seems like the perfect gift, right? Oh, here's a spa day, spa weekend. That's great. But if they don't use it, (laughs) they don't use it, right? Like, yes, the thought is great, but like they didn't use it, you know, and it didn't solve the problem that you thought would magically be solved by you kind of doing those things. And so think about whether or not there's something that they might actually be a little bit more prone to do, right? Instead of just thinking about what might be the sexy thing or the most expensive thing and assuming that there's a little bit more value there. So it could be like a dance class, like or I don't, making a cooking class, anything that, you know, they, they may not necessarily have been top of mind, but they might actually be more prone to do it. And that might actually be the thing that they really, really remember and so on. But I think the other thing is also just thinking about gift ideas and categories. It, it always makes me think about the way that we would vacation plan a little bit. So sometimes we would think about vacations as like, I just need to relax. But then there were other times where 
we said, you know, I kind of need some adventure in my life. And that would dictate or set the tone for how we would want to travel. And I think it's the same thing with gifts. Like sometimes it's a matter of saying, you know what, this person needs a problem solved or what this person really needs is a new idea to be sparked into their life. Or, you know, maybe they just need something that they already know. And it's like that fastball down the middle is super predictable and they didn't want to think about anything new or it's the opposite, right? Sometimes it could be the thing that was like 25th on the list, but for whatever reason, like the presence of that thing or the thing being there is like all of a sudden makes them feel like, wow, you know, like I feel less overwhelmed because I never thought that I would ever get to the 25th thing. And here I am. And it sort of sparks like this new kind of sense of joy for lack of a better word. So I think, I think the house gift is, is, you know, it's more like a shared commitment to enhancing your time with your partner. But even if you want to get something individual, I think there just needs to be a moment of pause to reflect, to think about what you could get instead of just saying, well, you know, because if we're being honest, a lot of people just say, hey, it, I have to spend X amount of dollars or else he or she is going to be mad at me, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, come on. Like th- there are other ways, more mature, more thoughtful ways of thinking about it that don't necessarily mean you need to be frugal or cheap, but could just be something that gives you that beautiful Christmas memory, which I think is what a lot of people really, really want. Yes, I love it. So that's our first tip is just to create a house gift among the older people slash adults oh, in yeah. your house. Don't do that with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, we got this no vacuum, son. <laughs> now, with our son, we do, you know, buy, we do still buy him individual gifts and we give him our version of a house gift. So it's something that we can all do together. He's yeah. an only child. So we make sure that he has a nice mix of things for, you know, individual play and then items that require a playmate. But even this idea of house gift has expanded beyond just our house. The gift that we gave our, my parents last year was like an outdoor umbrella so that we could enjoy the outdoor space together. Yeah. And this year, they might get like one of those little solo stoves or something. So just just think about something that you can enjoy with everyone else. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with a few more tips. Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. Okay, the next suggestion that I have is actually kind of related to what you were saying about the categories for people, but it's coming up with a theme for your gifts and creating what one of our old colleagues used to call, you know, freedom within a framework. So what do I mean by theme? A theme is just a guiding principle that can help you narrow down the options or the focus. And it can be anything. You can decide that every gift this year is going to be handmade or educational or thrifted and pre-loved, or related to a hobby, or inspired by a book, or even edible. The point is just to establish a consistent idea of what kind of gift you're looking for and why. And the reason is because it invites thoughtfulness back into the chat. And I think this is a really good antidote to impulse shopping, which can lead you to spend more than what you budgeted or buy something because you're bored, stressed, anxious, lonely, trying to make up for an argument that you had with somebody, trying to get back on their good graces. It just Mm -hmm. removes all that emotion from the purchase. Now, what's interesting is that whenever I offer this suggestion, the pushback is always from the, 
you should just get people what they want crew. <laughs> like there are, there's a whole population that believes that you should never, ever stray from what people want. Like, don't be trying to get all creative with my gifts. That's more about you than it is about me. And so I'm just hmm. curious if you're in that camp. Like, do you think you should only buy things for friends and family that you know that they want? Or do you think gift exchanging and giving is an opportunity to insert your perspective? Well, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, either or. Uh, I don't subscribe to duality <laughs> at all. So I'm going to offer a nuanced uh, response here. I-, I am in the camp that, first of all, let me also say this. I say this knowing that I am not the best gift giver in the world. But secondly, I say I am more so in the camp, especially right now, that we should be a little bit more honest about how gift giving adds stress to what should otherwise be a pleasant holiday experience. I think a couple of things here is that, you know, I really empathize with people who are, you know, kind of tight, like things are tight, but like they're bombarded with this marketing that's like making them feel like, hey, man, if you don't buy this thing, if you don't do this thing, like you're just, you're, you're, you know, you're a loser, you're falling short, right? Like these things are going to, bad things are going to happen to you. I just think that we are, we, we owe it to ourselves to kind of really be honest about our wants and our needs. And I think it's really, really difficult for people to do that because marketing has gotten so good and so specific and so intimate and so timely. And so all of those things, I think, are really adding more stress to our, our lives, which I think is why people just kind of default to those wants. But I do think that we just need to talk a little bit more about the importance of needs and why so many people end up catering to their wants over their needs. And again, a lot of it has to do with the marketing. So we're pretty clear on the things that we need. Like we need to feel connected. We need to feel worthy and part of a community or a family. We need good health. But those aren't the things that typically are first on the list when it comes to gift giving. And that's interesting because research suggests that 56% of gifts are unwanted and returned anyway. <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, only 27% are actually willing to tell the gift giver the other 30% basically chalk it up to like, it's the thought that counts, right? And so we're all operating under this illusion of giving people these things and spending all of this money, even though over half of us don't even want the things that we got. And it's just to me, like I, I struggle with not seeing the downside to that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's time to get real about where wants even come from. And, because you know, thinking back to that stat, you just said 56% of gifts are unwanted and returned anyway. Between that stat and the one that we uncovered when we did the gift card episode about... Yes. The billions in unspent gift cards. That's it makes me not want to buy. Yeah, that, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to buy anybody anything at this point. <laughs> and I know that's not the point, half but the people don't want it. <laughs> right. I got a 50-50 chance. I'm going to just save my money. And I know that's not the point, but it kind of is. So, like, my last tip is really just to find the humor and the irony in the whole situation and just make a game of the exchange and take the pressure off. So for our son this year, we're going to do an advent calendar. We've done like countdown chains before on the past about things that he's really excited about. But the advent calendar is going to have a mix of activities that we can do together and little trinkets that he can play with to just take some of the pressure off of his expectations for Christmas Day itself. It's You now have a visual and a memory of the entire holiday. But for adults, you know, you've probably experienced this in office settings where there's a white elephant or a secret Santa or some other thing where there's, you know, the general rules are there's a cap on how much you can spend, say 10 or $20. And then you all bring in your gifts and play or exchange. Yeah. My cousin used to do a really big Christmas party where we bring gifts 
under $25. And then she'd read the night before Christmas and we'd sit in a circle. And every time we got to a rhyming word, you'd pass the gift to your left. And then at the end, everybody would unwrap at the same time. And there was some element of like stealing gifts after that, but it was so fun. And it took the pressure off of the gift itself. Like what became more memorable was the games and how, you know, Aunt Lois tried to steal from Aunt Diane. And, you know, that was just, that was the energy. And I just, you know, I still think it's a great way. I think it's a great way to still capture the surprise and delight elements of gift giving without the surprise always being, here's the thing you wanted, but couldn't afford. So I bought it for you this year. Like (laughs) there are other types of surprises like, oh man, who knew I needed a, you know, a, a new flask in the shape of a boot, whatever it is. I know. Flasks (laughs) always find their way under the Christmas tree. I think flasks all sell in November. Because any other time, if somebody gave you a flask, you'd be like, what are you trying to say? What am I doing with this flask? Yeah, it's like bachelor parties and Christmas. Yes, yes. We need to do a podcast on the flask business. I need to get in on it. But it's interesting, speaking of flasks, because I've never done that. I do have some friends who've gotten pretty creative with holiday experiences. And one of them, I think, was... We're going to watch Coming to America, I think, as a family every single year. And every time Eddie Murphy drops or somebody drops an F-bomb, you got to take a shot. <laughs> it was like some Christmas hunch punch or something. Yeah, like it, it never it ended well. The livers were younger. It, it, oh, yeah. I couldn't even imagine doing that now. <laughs> or, or there was another one with that classic movie. I, I don't remember what it's called, but the one where the kid sticks his tongue to the pole and gets stuck. Yeah. Every time he says something or something, you got to take a shot or whatever. But like... One of the things that I do remember that actually it was the same friend that would do this is she'd invite everyone over to their house and they'd have this big, like big tree. I mean, like it looks like it was a scene out of a movie, like just piles and piles of gifts wrapped up and everybody that comes. And I forget the game that we would play or how we would draw names or something like that. But basically you would draw your gift and... You know, it was similar style where you're stealing some things and, you know, you'd look at something and you could choose whether or not you wanted to open it or give it to the next person. And so you might be a cool speaker or it might just be like a bag of chips. You never really know, but it was fun and like it was memorable and like it was just a really, really cool experience. So, yeah, I, I like that idea. I think the feeling as I was trying to think about what I'm looking for or, or what I think a lot of people are looking for is almost like a staycation, right? Like that's what I think the holiday feeling should kind of deliver, like this feeling of a staycation. So whatever it is, whether it's volunteering or taking a walk or going to the movie theater the next day or door busting, whatever it is, I think the spirit of Christmas just you know sounds super cheesy and obvious, but I think that's really what I think we should be aiming for. Yeah, I I completely agree. And it's not to judge anyone who decides to have a big Christmas. At the end of the day, it's your choice. You just need to understand your reasons and be able to have your back when you're explaining them or when you're confronted by someone or something that may disagree with those reasons, even if it's someone that you love and respect like a parent. You know, there's this idea that shopping has this like addiction like quality because our culture is so consumer driven and people don't always take kindly to you expressing your boundaries about doing something that is countercultural. And I think it's something that we can learn from the sobriety culture, which is to have your script in advance, right? So you're going to practice what you're going to say if someone pushes back. 
say like if you, you know, are deciding that you're only going to spend $200 this year, you might practice a script that says, look, I had a rule that I was only going to spend $200 and I'm glad I found something that I thought was perfect for you within that range. Or maybe you can say, you know, this year I wanted to focus on gratitude and I realized that all my favorite moments were trapped in my photo app on my phone. And so every gift that I gave was a printed photo of a moment where I was just really thankful to have you in my life. And I have the same picture in my house. Whatever it is, tell yourself in advance that you're proud of your approach and then stand 10 toes down on your decision, regardless of how other people react. You know, you might get some pushback up front, but a lot of people are going to follow and fall in that it's the thought that counts camp. So let the thought count, like let it actually be something that you thought about and could explain. I say this every time, but like, was that, that, that was not your final thought, right? No. <laughs> you have this habit of, of like, Dropping I'm going to give you a pre-final thought and then I'm going to tell you my final thought. <laughs> Why don't you tell us your final thought? I should play some Christmas music here, but (laughs) I don't have it. All right. My final thought. Don't rob Peter to pay Paul. Don't cut off your nose to spite your face and don't count your chickens before they hatch. Oh, this sounds like a terrible holiday. Uh, (laughs) Don't rob Peter to pay. Like what? The point is there have been dozens of ways in the culture to express the danger of letting short-term thinking mess up your long-term plans. So we just started the episode with a bunch of data that says the shift is here. It's actually been happening over the past few years as retailers have remained closed on Thanksgiving or adjusted their holiday staffing so people could be home with their families. But the shift is here. And of all the articles that we read to prep for this episode, the McKinsey Take was actually my favorite. This idea of holiday shopping and holiday deals is being eroded by a consumer environment where everything is on sale almost all the time. And so that's really good news for our budgets. And it's an opportunity to rethink our spending around this time of year. So just take advantage of that. Like whatever it is, we'll still be there in January, February, March, Memorial Day sale, Fourth of July sale. It's it's still going to be there. I completely agree with you and Mackenzie. My final thoughts. I, I listen, I have no hats, no tricks, no tactics this time around. I think, you know, I just want more people to feel empowered to give themselves permission to be honest, to focus on needs. Like it's okay to say, you know what? This is the year I really just want to have fewer problems and less things to think about, right? So you don't need to feel obliged to put more pressure on your shoulders than what's already there because like life is really, really tough for a lot of people right now. So I think for people who are starting families, especially, and this is speaking from personal experience, give yourself the gift of starting your own traditions. I know that we all want the time spent together to look and feel like a Hallmark movie, but travel is expensive and it is a painful experience. And so you have to skip it. Give yourself permission to do that and say, instead, we're going to start our own tradition. I apologize. We're going to learn how to use FaceTime, Zoom, whatever it is. And don't beat yourself up about it, right? Like this year in particular, we established, and by we, I mean our family we establish and enforce more personal boundaries this year than we ever have. And looking back, I think it was one of the best decisions that we have made. And so that's my gift to you all, permission and hopefully encouragement to do the same thing and to give yourself a chance as a family to be a family, to enjoy your home, to enjoy your community and establish your own way of enjoying the holidays. 
I love it. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. You know, five-star reviews are the gift that keeps giving and you don't even have to wrap them. So if you haven't left one yet, head on over to your favorite podcast platform and handle that. We will see y'all next week. Bye.